Let's get started. We're in the book of Acts. If you're visiting with us, we've been going through the book of Acts. I think we're on like, I don't know, week 19 now or something like that. So we've been in here for, for a minute. Um, but such a great story, uh, the book of Acts is. Last week we looked at chapter 13. This week we're going to look at chapter 14. Um, we talked last week about Paul and Barnabas's call, um, the church sending them out, and, and how uh, we, as we've gone through the book of Acts, we see that the book of Acts sort of unfolding as Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's where they were, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the way the book has unfolded and is unfolding the gospel started in Jerusalem and it moved out to Judea and Samaria. And now with Paul and Barnabas being sent out on this first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13, uh, the gospel is pressing out to the ends of the earth. Um, God created the church for his mission, for his mission of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. And the people who are the church, that's us, right? If you are a believer, um, you are a people who are a part of the church. We are to be his witnesses, right? It wasn't just those first disciples. It's every disciple after them being his witnesses then and now, telling the world around us about who he is and what he's done for us in Jesus. Being his witnesses as we go about our lives in our own Jerusalem, right? If you're from Macon, Macon, our own Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and for some, even to the ends of the earth. So this morning, as we look at chapter 14 in Acts, this is part two of the first mission trip, the first missionary journey for Paul and Barnabas, and there were others who traveled with them. We see this morning um, God's continued provision for the church uh, that he has created for this incredible mission of his. We see his incredible uh, provision. We see the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we see the presence of God's people uh, together as a family with one another, supporting one another. Um, but in all of this, and we'll talk about all of that, um, we also see that the gospel message in this week, just like last week, does what the gospel always does. The gospel divides and unites. And we're going to see that this morning as we walk through this passage. Uh, I want to read all of these verses because it is like one part of the story, and so they all belong together. Um, and so I want to start out with just reading that, and then we'll pray, we'll pray together. And be patient with me. Uh, I encourage you to follow along and don't drift off to somewhere else. And as you hear this story... Um, I have a great imagination, and so uh, it's not hard for me to imagine these events actually taking place, so I encourage you, just as you follow along as we're reading this story together, to just imagine this is, this is a true story. Like These events actually happen, so um, use your mind. Imagine being there with Paul and Barnabas and the things that we are reading about. So, Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by 
by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities in uh, Lyconia, and, in, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven, um, heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely re uh, restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. So, the first missionary journey in the books. Let's pray together and then unpack this just a little bit. And I'll ask, as I do every week, if you would pray with me. The Lord gives us the, the grace of prayer and uh, hears all of our prayers. So pray with me. Pray that God would be good today to teach us, to encourage us, that the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised, um, would do those things, encouraging, um, convicting, convicting of sin and righteousness, uh, shaping us more and more into the image of Jesus, helping us, New City Church, be the church that he's called us to be. Will you pray with me? Good. Father, we come together, and what a, what a beautiful thing that we, we can do this. Um, thank you, Jesus, that we now, by your blood, by the sacrifice that you made for us, we can come boldly um, but humbly to the Father. Father, we admit today our great need for you. Um, 
Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray that you would, would do the things that only you can do today in our midst. I pray that you would encourage your people. I pray that you would teach us. I pray that uh, you would give life to the words that I have prepared. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would bring conviction where that's needed in our lives, that you would bring encouragement where that's needed, that you would help us to be the people, God, that you have created for this mission, mission of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. Help us. Help us. That's really what our prayer is today. Help us. We desperately need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what I want to do, remember, when we go through a book like the book of Acts, it's, um, this is a story. Uh, Luke has written the story of the first church. So there's not a lot of do's and don'ts and specifics, so we read the story and just make some observations from the story, and that's what I want to do uh, this morning. Um, the first observation, the thing that stood out to me in this story, is how the gospel divides. The gospel divides. Um, that, that is obvious this week. It was obvious last week when we were in chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas, they were run out of um, the town that they were in uh, by one group of people who were angry at them and wanted to kill them. Um, and at the same time, there was another group of people who heard the same message and were in the same town. And it says that they were filled with joy over what Paul and Barnabas were saying. They were filled with joy over Paul and Barnabas being with them. And that's what we see in chapter 14 as well. Paul and Barnabas go to the synagogue in Iconium. The synagogue is where the Jewish people would gather, and those proselytes to Judaism, that is Gentiles who had decided they wanted to follow the God of the Jews, and they would gather in the synagogue to learn, to be taught, to worship. So they go there to the synagogue of the Jews in Iconium, and they share the news that Jesus is the promised one. Likely they do in, in this place, just like we talked about last week, where Paul is sharing the big story of God, and he's doing that through the history of the Jewish people, going through the Old Testament and point, pointing the people to all the ways that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. The gospel message is shared there, and with it, um, we read from Luke that it's accompanied with great signs and wonders. There were miracles that were taking place. Jews, um, Greeks, Gentiles, they, they, they heard the same message and many, it says, became believers. Many became believers. Verse 1 says a great number believed. Um, their belief was who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the good news of the gospel. Their belief is, as Paul was teaching them, walking them through the Old Testament, that Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies. Paul would have done there just like he did everywhere else, and that is to call the people to repent of their sin and to repent of their disbelief and to believe who Jesus was and what he had, had done, repent, believe the good news of the gospel. And it says that many did. But many, well, many did. At the same time, many did not. And Paul calls them unbelievers. Verse 2 tells us that the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. We'll talk about brothers uh, more in a minute. But believers are called brothers and sisters because our new identity in Christ is that we are family together. God, as our Father, we are brothers and sisters because of Jesus. 
Now, here is the reality for us to really take hold of, and I want to talk a little bit about it, but the gospel divides people. The gospel divides people. There's, there's really no avoiding that truth. The gospel divides people. Now, if you are like me, um, and I think a lot of you probably are, you want to be liked by everyone, right? Like, like I, I want everybody to like me. I don't want there to be anybody who, who doesn't like me. Um, if you're like me, you, you don't like offending people. Now, some of you out there don't mind offending people at all. On some level, you want everyone to, 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 to be your friend right? I mean, we, we, we do. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Is that, is that you? Is that fair? Yeah? That's me for sure. The gospel in living as a Christ follower doesn't set up very well for us because the gospel divides. I'm sorry if, <laughs> if you thought differently. We see it here in chapter 14, just like we did in 13, as I've already said, really going all the way back to the very beginning of the book of Acts. As the gospel message went out, people were divided. We saw it in the stoning of Stephen. Now, I I want you to think about this, how the gospel divides us. We'll walk through it, but several reasons. Um, For one, the good news is not really good news if we don't know the bad news, right? If there is no bad news, there is no good news. Everything is just news. And so the the good news really starts with the bad news. The, the, The bad news is that we are all sinners. Every one of us sinners. We've all failed. We all come short of the glory of God. God is God. He is holy and righteous and pure. God gets to make all of the rules. God defines what is good. God defines what is holy and what is righteous. He created us. To be holy and righteous and pure. He, he did. But the bad news is none of us are. None of us have been. Um, and, and none of us on our own will be. That is bad news. We all fail to meet God's standards of goodness and righteousness. And that is a, a huge problem that separates us from God. Now, to compound the problem, we can't fix ourselves. This is, this is bad news as well. Because, because really, we all want to try to fix ourselves. We mess something up, we want to try to fix it. We want, to, we want to try to make it better. We want to try to overcome it. And when it comes to holiness and righteousness and being what God intended us to be, we can't fix our brokenness. There's no amount of good works that we can ever do that make our bad works go away. We can never do enough good works to tip the scales in our favor to the point where God says, okay, you've done enough righteousness. I don't see any of your unrighteousness anymore. And I don't know about you. I've tried it. I really have. One day I decided I'm just going to stop sinning. That did not go well, which is why I love God's grace. We are broken and we can't fix ourselves, right? That's the bad news. Now, when we talk about that bad news, when it relates to sharing the good news, a lot of people don't like hearing that. I mean, if we're honest ourselves, we don't like being told we're wrong. We don't like for someone to correct us for the most part. We don't like for someone to say what you're doing is sinful. We don't like that. 
We, we, we tend to get defensive. We tend to get angry. And so talking to an unbeliever about being a sinner is, is, is difficult. And the response is often to be defensive and to be angry. Angry at the person who would tell them that what they're doing is sinful and wrong. Angry at the person who says, you can't fix this. You're not good enough to fix yourself. Angry because we don't like to hear that. Angry because maybe, maybe when we see the other person, we think, well, I am way better than other people. In fact, there are some ways I'm better than you. Who are you to judge me, right? The Bible also makes clear, as if that's not enough, right, that people would be angry in hearing our gospel because of the bad news. The Bible also makes clear that there's no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. The only name for salvation, the only name that brings redemption and forgiveness and restoration, the only way to the Father is through the Son. This, to many, is also highly offensive. See, the good news doesn't point to many ways or many roads to the Father. It points to one. One road, one way, Jesus. Jesus, the promised one. That there is forgiveness and mercy and hope for all, for all of us. It's couched in and centered on one single place, one single person, and that is Jesus. Proclaiming the good news always leaves someone with a choice, doesn't it? We, we share this good news. The good news is that while we are broken and can't fix ourselves, Jesus, God has provided a way. The only way, it's Jesus. It's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection. And, and through faith, when we believe in that, our sins are forgiven. We are redeemed, we're reconciled with our Father. One day we will be restored to everything that God intended. Right, that's the good news. Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. When we share that good news with someone, it always leads to a choice. Right? Either you believe that good news or you don't. Those are really the only two choices there are. Either you believe or you don't. And that divides. Right? There's no way around it. The gospel divides people. And if we are people who proclaim Christ rightly and proclaim the gospel truthfully, people who desire to see others reconciled once and for all to him, as we proclaim that gospel, then, then we will experience on some level what Paul and Barnabas experienced. Some will hear and be filled with joy and believe. Others will hear and may be stirred to anger. They will hate the true good news. And they may take that out on you. In our story of Paul and Barnabas this morning, we, we see the unbelieving Jews being angered, right? Their hearts filled with hatred for the gospel and for the Jews who are proclaiming that, for Paul and Barnabas and the other disciples. And so they stir that hatred in the hearts of others. Paul and Barnabas are run out of town. They run so those angry unbelievers won't stone them to death. We see them flee from Iconium, and they land in Lystra. And when they get to Lystra, right, a new, a new place, a new city, the city, the location changes. 
They go in and do the exact same thing. They go in, they likely went to the synagogue, they again preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is is great with them, and there are people who are healed. We read about the man who had not been able to walk since birth, and he's healed, he springs to his feet. The good news comes in the power of the Spirit, and yet the results are exactly the same. People are divided. Some want to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods, Others are angered at Paul and Barnabas. And the beauty of it is that some believed. The angry rise up, and in verse 19, we see them attack Paul. They stone him in their anger, and when he lies in a bloody heap on the ground, motionless, believing that he is dead, they they drag him, and maybe he was, they drag his body outside the city gates. The gospel divides. No way around it. It's not exactly the best message for encouraging evangelism, is it? Like this is the opposite of that. There's more. Don't don't check out yet. Like to this point, things are pretty depressing and, and, and scary as we talk about the gospel truly dividing. And, and, and we, we talk about that in light of the truth that God has, has created the church for this mission to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to see people reconciled to him, redeemed from their sin, restored to a right relationship with him, restored to be everything that he's called us to be. Like, like God wants that. He's created the church for, for that. that. That's why... We are here, and and in this we hear, boy, the gospel divides, and it's going to be hard. And for those of you like me who want everybody to be your friend and to like you, that comes really, really hard. But while the gospel divides, and we should all be aware that the gospel does divide and the gospel will divide, the gospel also unites us. Right? And this is where it gets really, really good. The gospel unites us. First of all, the gospel unites us with God. Right? The good news of the gospel unites us with God. Uh, this is easy for us to grasp intellectually, right? We, we, if you're here and you've heard the gospel intellectually, you can grasp, okay, the good news of the gospel through faith, believing in Ju- Jesus, our sins are forgiven, we are brought near to God. We, 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 we believe that he is the promised one, our redeemer, the fixer of our brokenness. We are indeed forgiven in that right? His righteousness is granted to us. In that, our sins are wiped clean because of, because of him, because of his righteousness, because of his work, because he paid our price on the cross. Our sins are wiped clean. We are made holy and pure. So when God sees us now, he sees us as the righteousness of Christ. So, so, so intellectually, we grasp in that everything that separated us from God, all of the sin, all of the dirtiness that separated us from God, our lack of righteousness and purity, Jesus dealt with all of that, took all of that away, so now everything that separated us has been removed. That's good news. It's removed by the work of Christ, and, and we are brought near to God. Relationally, the Bible says we were distant from God, but this brings us near. The Bible says we were enemies with God. That's how we're described as enemies with God. And yet now we are called children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
our, our good and gracious Father loves us, cares for us, and He promises to never leave us and never forsake us. See, we are now, because of Christ, we are now beautifully united to God in Christ by His Holy Spirit who indwells every one of us, God with us, until the day of our redemption. We are united. We are united with God. We, we, we see this in the mission of, of Paul and Barnabas, right? That God was with them in this mission. They weren't just out there on their own. When, when, when they were in Iconium and, and the crowd was rising up to stone them and they were making plans to kill Paul and Barnabas, crowd getting angry, it was the Holy Spirit. It was God who let Paul and Barnabas know, you guys need to get out of town. That was God with them in this mission. It was, it was God working with them, united with them, protecting them. Now, we could say, um, Keith, that is, that is good, but then they went to Lystra, and what happened in Lystra, we just read it, Paul was stoned. He was stoned, and, and when they thought he was dead, they, they drug him out of the city and outside the city gates. Where was God then? And... and and I think that's a great question, but I think, I think we need to look a little bit closer, right? Think about what happened there. And I, I love this story. This used to make Paul my, my, like, superhero. Like, Paul was my hero. I'm like, how in the world? This is an incredible guy. I've learned a lot. Listen, so, so think about this story. And again, I'm, I'm encouraging you to use your imagination, Right? So they are here in the city, and they're sharing the gospel, and there's a huge crowd of people, and they're all listening to Paul as he's sharing the gospel. And the angry part of the crowd, they are calling out to Paul. They're disputing everything that he says, and they get angrier and angrier and angrier, and their, their hatred wells up, and they become a mob. And so they go in, no trial, illegally, they grab Paul, they drag him to a part of the city where they can stone him, and they begin to pick up rocks large rocks, and they begin to throw them at Paul, striking him all over his body, his head, his face, everywhere. They're, they're stoning Paul, and they continue to do it again and again and again, yelling and cursing Paul until he lies on the ground in a, in a bloody heap, and that's what it would have been. With all of these stones hitting him, a bloody mess is what he would have been, lying, lying in the dirt. And then they, then they come to Paul, and they grab his body, and, 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 and for them, they're celebrating, right? They, they've stopped the great Paul. And so they, 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 they drag him out of the city, however far that was, they drag him out of the city, dragging him on the ground, bleeding, dead. He was dead. As far as they knew, Paul had no life. They drag him out of the city, outside the city gates, and they leave him there on the ground, believing that he was dead. They turn and they go back into the city, celebrating their victory. Now imagine being one of the disciples or being Barnabas. Maybe you, you had taken a step back, right, with all this stuff going on. You didn't want to be next. I mean, who, who would want to be next? You didn't want to be next, so you, you, you took a step away from Paul. Maybe you, you stood in the back. Whatever, whatever it was, you, you, you weren't a part of it. And, and now, Paul, your hero, the church's hero, one of the church's very first heroes, beaten and bloodied and dead. 
So I, I imagine, I imagine the, the, the disciples with Barnabas coming to, to Paul, and, and there is Paul, this bloody heap on the ground outside the city. Everybody has gone in, and they gather around him, probably weeping. I would be weeping, like, what do we do now? Paul is dead? Paul is dead. And then what does Paul do? He opens his eyes. <laughs> like, could you just imagine Paul opening his eyes then and sitting up and looking around at them and going like, what are y'all doing? Getting up. Like there's no hesitation here from, from Luke's account. Paul just, Paul just opens his eyes. He gets up to his feet. And where does he go? He goes right back in the city. He goes right back into the city where they had, where they had just stoned him. He goes right back into the city where, where that angry mob had just brutally, brutally stoned him. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not that Paul was a, a, a superhero. Really, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God who was with Paul. There is no other explanation. Y'all, you don't get up from being stoned. Even if, you weren't, even if you weren't dead, you know, when they throw all those stones at you and they think you're dead and they drag you out of the city, you don't just get up from that. And you, and you surely don't just get up from that and go back in the city. And then the next day, the next day, what we just read, the next day, they leave that city, right? He goes back into the city where the people just tried to kill him. The next day, he goes to the next city, and he does the exact same thing. Like two cities. The first one, they wanted to stone him. They ran him out of the city. The second one, they catch him. They stone him. Paul just keeps going. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God with Paul. That's the presence of God with Paul. That's the empowerment, the protection, the kindness, the, the love, the care of the Holy Spirit who was with Paul in this mission that God had called him to. Now listen to me. That's the same Holy Spirit that indwells you as a believer. That same Holy Spirit is with, with, with us, united with us. That's, that's God with us here and now in the mission that he has called us to. It's not that we'll be united with God at some time in the future when we die or Jesus comes back. God is with us now in his Holy Spirit. That's what we see in this. Paul, on his father's mission and his father with him in the Holy Spirit, united with God then and forevermore. The gospel unites us with God. The gospel also unites us with unbelievers. The gospel unites us with unbelievers. Now, if you have been paying attention and not asleep, you might be thinking, wait a minute, didn't you just say the gospel divides us from unbelievers? Yes, but listen to me on this. The division that the gospel brings between believers and unbelievers, while it is very real, if we are like Jesus, then that division isn't there because of us. It is there despite us. It is there despite us. Paul didn't dislike unbelievers. Paul loved them. Barnabas wasn't angry at unbelievers. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't furious. He didn't dislike them. He loved them. 
They loved the unbelievers in those cities when they went there. They cared for the unbelievers in those cities. And I think at the heart of it, it was this. They knew and understand the bad news and the good news. They knew and understood that they were just like those unbelievers. They were sinners and they were desperately in need of a Savior. The, the only thing that made them difference was not them, but Jesus. They were forgiven. Forgiven by God's grace. Forgiven because of Jesus. Not forgiven because they got their life together. Not forgiven because they quit sinning. Not forgiven because they had done enough good in their life to overcome the bad that they had done in their life. They were forgiven by the grace of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we, when we come to see that side of, of the gospel, when we come to see that side of ourselves, then our think, I think our hearts will be filled with the love and compassion that drove Paul and Barnabas, beaten and despised, back into the city. Back into that city and on to Derby and other cities, sharing the good news of Jesus. When we, when we see ourselves in others, the gospel fills our heart with love for them. That was what drove Paul. That's what drove Paul to risk everything for their good. Paul wasn't trying to earn good standing with God. And Jesus had already done that for him. Paul wasn't a missionary to check things off of his list. Jesus had already checked all the boxes. Paul loved people, and he wanted to tell them about Jesus. He wanted to see them redeemed and reconciled to the Father. So, the gospel unites us with God. The gospel also unites us with, with fallen people, unbelievers. And lastly, the gospel beautifully, wonderfully unites us with believers. Remember earlier I said that we are family? Paul calls us brothers and sisters. That didn't start with Paul, right? Paul didn't come up with this idea that we are brothers and sisters. It was God who first called us family. In Christ, we are a part of a new family. We are a part of a new family because of Jesus. We have a new father. God is our father, a new dad. And all of his children are our brothers and sisters. This is our family. When we, when we read this story, we see family all over the place. When Paul had been stoned and he seemed dead in the street, who was it that came and stood over him? It says the disciples, that's the believers. The believers in that city came and they, they wept probably, mourned probably, because they thought that Paul was dead. His brothers and sisters stood over him. When he went back into the city, who, who do you think went back in with him? Barnabas and the disciples went in with him into this city. They went as a family together sharing the gospel. When they went back into the city, where do you think they stayed? They stayed at the home of their family there, other believers in that city. Who do you think took care of him? His family there in that city. When he left and went to, uh, from Lystra to Derby, he didn't go alone. He went with Barnabas and other disciples. They went as well. He preached the gospel, and it says that many believed. And as he went and he preached the gospel and many believed, Paul's family grew larger and larger and larger. 
We read about the reverse order of Paul's mission trip, right? Where he started um, and, and he went to Cyprus and then he went back on land and went to Iconium and Derbia. And, it, it, and then it traces it back all the way back to where it began. And, and, and as, as Paul and Barnabas went reverse order, they stopped in every town and every city and they stayed there with the church, visiting with them on his way back, teaching them making sure that they had leaders in place, elders to shepherd the sheep. And then he made his way all the way to Antioch. Antioch, where it says that he stayed for no little time. On his trip, as he went from city to city and family to family to family to family, he taught, they taught, they shared, they encouraged, they loved. Paul and Barnabas were strengthened. That's what family does. Right? And that's what we see here in their travels, family. I can well imagine the the close of this chapter, and I ask you one more time to use your imagination. The close of this chapter, right? Verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, uh, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples there in Antioch. They were home. They were home. They had gone on this first missionary journey and it was long and it was hard and they had suffered a great deal and they had seen incredible things and they were home. Back to the men and women who had laid hands on them and sent them out according to the call and the grace of the Father. They were home with the family that they had done so much life with. Remember, Paul and Barnabas had been there checking to see what the Lord was up to in Antioch. Barnabas first, and then he went and got Paul, and Paul came, and Paul stayed for more than a year teaching. And then there was more. They stayed beyond that, and they took the, the offering that was, was taken up from all the churches to Jerusalem and Judea. Paul and Barnabas did that, and then they were back again in Antioch. They were, they were home. They were home with their family in Antioch, this, this family that they had lived with and done life with. They had, they had celebrated together with these people in Antioch. They had seen children born through these years that they were with these people. They, they had seen young men and young women come together and be married. They had seen the births, the weddings. They had celebrated God's work there as they saw the gospel growing in Antioch. They had, they had seen miracles together. They had prayed together. They had wept together. They had mourned together. They were home. And they, gathered, they gathered together in Antioch. And when they got back at the end of, of their journey, they gathered all of the church in Antioch together. And they began to share with them from, from their trip. And I, I, I love the way this is, is worded here. Because, because it doesn't say that they shared everything that they had done. It says that the the church gathered together and Paul and Barnabas shared everything that God had done. God, that's good. 
And I can, I can see as the church is gathered, right, listening to Paul and Barnabas, I can just imagine the stories that they were telling. I, I, I can see them sharing the stories, and I can see the people just gathered around in awe and amazement at all that God was doing. Stories of, of how the Spirit worked on this journey. I, 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 can, I can imagine them listening to those stories and, 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 and hearing about Paul confronting the, the, the demons on that one day and casting out the demons. I can imagine, I can imagine Barnabas sharing the, the story of, of Paul being stoned to death in that city and how they had dragged his body out, right? I can imagine Barnabas sharing that story about how they all stood over Paul mourning his death and then Paul springs up and says, hey, what's going on? We got work to do. I can imagine their laughter. I can imagine them saying, yeah, that sounds like Paul going right back in the city where they had just tried to kill him. And I can see the wonder on their faces as verse 27 unfolds how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Not the, not, not the proselytes, right? Those, those Gentiles who had, had become um, Jews or converted to Judaism. Not the proselytes, not the God-fearers like Cornelius was. Cornelius was someone who knew about the God of the Jews and on his own he pursued the God of the Jews. Not like the God-fearers, not like the proselytes. God had opened a door of fate to pagan Gentiles who had no interest and no knowledge of the God of the Jews. And imagine their awe at that. And how the gospel was on its way to the ends of the earth. To all peoples. To every tongue, to every tribe, to every nation. I shared a quote with you guys last week and I, I, I want to read it again. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. This, this is what we, the church, were created for. It's why we are here. This is why we are here. To see others reconciled to the Father in Christ. Some, some will go to faraway places filled with great difficulties just like Paul and Barnabas. Others, most of us, most of us, most of us won't go very far at all. And yet we're called to the same mission as we go here in our Antioch. As we, as we go to work, as we go to the school, as we go to the gym, to the park, to the grocery store. As we raise our children, as we pour into the lives of our grandchildren. We see both of those here. Paul and Barnabas being sent away to these faraway places. But every place that they went, and we'll see this more through the book of Acts. Every place that they went, others were already there sharing the gospel. It's amazing to me. Paul is like, I want to get ahead of where, where people have heard about Jesus. I want to go where nobody knows his name. And every city he went to, he was greeted by the church. 
people who had gone before him. And as they went, where they lived, they shared the good news of the gospel, making disciples and helping them love and follow Jesus. We see the church on that mission. We see that this work is hard. No church should think that the world will jump in and be happy to hear our message. Can I say that again? Y'all, we will never appease the world. If we, if we follow the word of God, if we proclaim the true gospel of Jesus Christ, there will always be people unhappy with us. Paul, the, the, the great theologian and missionary, could not make everyone happy. He didn't have all of the right verses to lead everyone to believe the gospel. It just doesn't work that way. The gospel still divides. And while that is true and while that is hard, God has not called us to this mission and left us alone. God has given us everything that we need to accomplish this work of his. He is with us, right? He is with us. We see that here, empowering, encouraging, leading, protecting, sending us by the power of the Holy Spirit, united with him as we go, as we go about this mission. He is with us. He gives us more. He gives us himself, and that is incredible, but he gives us more as we grow more and more in the image of Jesus, and we should be as we mature, as we love and follow Jesus, we should be being shaped more and more to look like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And, and, and as we are, then our hearts are filled more and more and more with the fruit of his Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit begins with, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love for our neighbor. Love for the lost people around us. Love for those who are far from God. Love for the lost. Let me ask you this. For you personally, for us as a church, New City Church, for our missional communities, for your missional community, if we don't have a heart, a love for the lost... What does that say about our walk with Jesus? What does it say about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst? What does it say about your heart, my heart? God gives us himself. God gives us his heart for others and beautifully, God gives us one another, a spirit-filled family. At New City, uh, this is what we should see in our missional communities. I love gathering with you guys. I love when, when you all sing really loud. It is just incredible and beautiful, and I love it. I, I love when we're together. I love when I'm preaching and you guys respond. I love talking to you. I, I love our Sundays together. This is not where we live out the one another's. 
We live out the one another's in, in missional community. This is how God has given us one another. It, it's in our missional communities, house churches, small groups where we can love one another, where we can care for one another, where we can w- encourage one another. Sometimes we, we can admonish one another. We can correct one another and, and point one another back to what it looks like to walk with Jesus. We can, we can pray together for the lost in our missional community. We go together to the world outside of our, our church doors on on this mission together. We we celebrate the work of God together. We mourn together the lostness of our world and the pain of our world. We celebrate. We celebrate like the church did in Antioch as they gathered together and we hear the great things that God is doing. We are meant to be family. We We are meant to do this thing together, to be family, a gracious gift to one another for the mission that God has called us to. God has created us for this. He's called us to this. The way we say that at New City is that that, that we are called to be this family of missionary servants. That's what we're called to be. A family of missionary servants, a people helping others live in light of the gospel. This is what it means to be on God's mission. We, we, we live to help others live in light of the gospel. We, we, we live to help them see and follow Jesus. We, we do that as a family, a family of missionary servants. So we see it. We see it in Acts chapter 14. We saw it in Acts chapter 13. We see it throughout the book of Acts. If we're honest about it, and we talk about the big story a lot here, we see it from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And so the question is, are you in? I'm not asking if you just give mental assent to, yeah, it seems that the Bible teaches that. I'm saying, are you in? Let's, let's do this by God's grace together. By God's grace, let's, let's, let's do this together, working to see the gospel transform everything within our reach. This is, this is the new city vision. We dream of seeing the gospel transform everything within our reach. Ourselves, our church, our city, in the world. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, help us really believe that. Help us to truly believe that we are here for this incredible mission, not our mission, your mission, the mission that has been since sin entered into the world. Help us to know that as difficult as this mission is, you've provided everything that we need. You've given us yourself in the spirit who indwells us, empowers us, encourages us, enables us, gifts us. You've given us one another. 
beautiful family. Spirit-filled family. Father, help us to, to believe this. Help us to be shaped by this. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.